Hello and welcome to the Motormouth podcast, episode two with Tim Sylvie and myself, Harry Benjamin. In this episode, we chat to Kelvin Fletcher, an Emmerdale legend, but also racing driver. He chats all about spinning the acting world with the racing world, racing around the country in British GT, whilst also working on film and TV projects and bearing all on primetime ITV. We hope you enjoy and don't forget to like and subscribe. Just search for the Motormouth podcast on your favourite podcast platform, where you can also leave us a review. So welcome to Motormouth podcast episode number two. How you been, Harry? What's been happening? I've been all right. Yeah, no, it's so nice to be on the second one. What have I been doing? Um, I've been doing my hits radio show, uh, which is getting uh, up at silly o'clock. Getting in the up at silly o'clock in the morning, doing uh, some overnight shifts, which is uh, tough, but it's uh, it's good fun. Playing all the biggest hits and biggest throwbacks. Uh, <laughs> hits radio. Got to tune into that one. <laughs> what have you been up to? Not much. I mean, uh, what's happened since we last saw each other? Monaco Grand Prix, obviously. Yeah, caught big up stuff. with that. Um, I went go karting. Uh, which I'm awful at, but I have to do a shout out to my brother-in-law Adam, who is incredible. So anyone looking for a drive, looking for a driver out there, British touring cars, tin tops, whatever, don't care. He is a serious talent. He won by over a minute wow. at uh, Daytona and Milton Keynes. So. Um, Quick shout out. If that doesn't deserve well a test, I don't know what doesn't. Uh, I know, exactly. <laughs> now listen, um, we'll get on with the show. Um, we've got a very special guest with us today. Um, you'll probably know him best from his Emmerdale days, where he was 20 years as uh, Emmerdale's Andy Sugden. Um, and um, most latterly has turned into a racing driver. So welcome very much, Mr. Kelvin Fletcher. How are you? I'm very good, thanks, guys. Good. What a great intro that was, huh? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Pleasure. Listen, before we get started, and I know you're going to be excited, just like our last guest, Callum, was, I've got you a present. All right, okay. And, and I've brought two... Don't hold your breath. Uh. No, this is exciting. Don't play it down. I've brought you a brand new motormouth cap. Oh, brilliant. And I don't know whether you're one of those people with a massive head like Harry. I've got a small head. Yeah, they don't fit me. There you go. Try that for size. Let's go. I've got a a larger one if it doesn't fit. Oh, no, this is the small one. Oh, is that the small one? There you go. I reckon it's going to be a good... uh... These don't fit Harry because he's got unusually big head and unusually big feet. Beautiful. Look at that. Oh, perfect. Yeah, perfect. There we are. So on brand. Yeah, so on brand. <laughs> so, uh, Just one like, more thing we're not yeah. meant to come. You have to wear that every single day. Yes, yeah. that, is, that is the rule, I'm afraid. Every racetrack you go to, every interview you do is now going to be Motormouth branded. <laughs> I'm going to check it on my uh, little mirror on the phone. Oh, it's all right. There you go. I was going to go flat peak, but I don't know. We've reached a certain age now. You're 35, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, you see. Can we flat, still pull that off, that flat peak? I don't think we can, no, to be honest with you. I think you're right. I think you're either a hat person or you're not, though, in general, I think. Have you yeah. had the hat that fits your head? I, I know, and I, I'm ref- I refuse to wear any hats, to be honest. I just don't, they don't fit my head, and I don't suit it. Not having it, not having it, not good for the look. I don't want to bring this up at every single podcast we do, Ed, but Kelvin, you'll be impressed with this. Harry's feet are size 16. Yeah, UK size 16. So he said this in Give our over. first episode. I don't think I'll ever be able to be, or would have ever really? been able you're to be Really? You're not that tall, are you? Six foot five. Oh, you're six five? You yeah. Know, you're, don't look that I must have just been in a, in a daze this morning yeah. when I walked in. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. It strike me as, as that six or five is, is massive, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so. no, it's in size 60 feet. So wow. it's, it's the bane of my life, but also <laughs> an incredible talking point. It is. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a theme running through our podcast for, for sure. Um, listen, anyway, on to you, Kelvin. Enough about Harry's big feet. We've covered that enough in the last podcast. Yeah. Um, so, age 35, oldest of three brothers. Yes. So what do your other brothers do? Are they in the, in the acting or motorsport game? Um, no. Uh, my Dean is the middle brother, the younger brother, uh, two years younger than me. He's, uh, he's a barrister. Uh, wow. He, he, like me, we had a sabbatical at the same time. He kind of finished, came away, away from law and uh, was a little bit disillusioned. He, he worked as a solicitor as well and 
he just wasn't feeling fulfilled and uh, had about 18 months out and he just started working I think now down in Milton Keynes for right. uh, gone into the education sector still in a, in a, in a, a law capacity I think overseeing a faculty within within a big university there right. so uh, yeah he's doing well he's uh, very me and him are chalk and cheese really absolutely opposites uh, but he's genuinely my, you know my best mate and then my youngest brother our youngest brother Braden he's 22 uh, he's got traits of, of that entertainment quality, you know, he's, he's yeah. wants to be centre of attention like most thespians. <laughs> yeah. uh, and as a kid, he did a lot of acting. I did a, I, I directed a, a short film, uh, 2006 it was, and Braden played the lead. The, the lead was a boxer, and in, the, in his early years, in his child days, we, I cast Braden to play him, and he was great. He's, he's got a great look, he's, but he's just never really kind of um, pursued it as as much as I did. You yeah. know, when I was a kid, I was I just loved acting, and that's that's all I did really. Did you and get into it things. via acting school or? Yeah, but uh, with no real, um, a little bit. I'd say unorthodox really, because I'm from quite a working class area. You know, just north of it, a place called Oldham, and uh, and that had a little amateur uh, theatre company, if you like, called Oldham Theatre Workshop, which mm -hmm. was quite well known within the area, and uh, it was kind of you know responsible and pumping out quite quite a bit of talent you know uh, people going into Coronation Street or Anna Freel you know these names throughout that have been that have all started the Oldham Theatre Workshop so I went there because it was kind of synonymous within Oldham and uh, it was just something to do yeah. I played sport played cricket played rugby played football uh, and I just started going to acting classes just for you know something different and I absolutely loved it you know from I think six or seven years old to be given oh, wow, proper young yeah, oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. With no aspirations of being an actor, just purely because it was just something to do. Yeah. And it operated the same in which your, your local football team would operate. You know, you maybe go once, twice a week, yeah. pay your subs, and when you get to play a character or, you know, you're with, you know, you're with somebody else and you say, right, Kelvin, pretend that you're really angry at this other guy. You don't know why, go. And you just really embellish your personality and, and your imagination and just really kind of lose yourself in these. And as a kid with a big imagination, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought it was a really good foundation for not just for wanting to be an actor, but just socially anyway, you know, it, it helped work on my, my self-esteem and, and I got to mix with different people. At school, you, you know, kids are quite, you're in your little groups. Whereas with acting in that drama group, I could do scenes with, with a girl who was 13, 14 years old. Whereas at school, she wouldn't be seen. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be near a young eight-year-old yeah. lad. It's just not cool. Whereas in acting, suddenly we're all together. And it was like that across every kind of yeah. social group within within school. It's like all the rules are out the window, really. Exactly, yeah. So you got to room. really mix and, and the, you know, and that, that I think was quite unique to acting. And I don't, I, can't, I don't really see that anywhere else. Not really within sport, certainly within school. It's That's what was, was great for me with, with the drama. Yeah. Did, uh, did drama school ever become a temptation or were you you wanted to stay where you were yeah no it did yeah I you just want to drop in here that you went to Rada I did want to drop that oh in. really yeah. did, you, did you really I love that did you yeah I'm, I'm, I'm only just sort of starting my sort of career I suppose in okay. acting so I, I trained at Rada um, after oh, 12 well, I know exactly I know exactly but I did I did because I, I, I started acting when I was probably I don't know 10 years old or whatever but yeah. a, bit, a little bit later but for the exact same reasons but it's a great way of also having to deal with rejection very early oh, yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you've got to <laughs> To build that resilience yeah but and you not said take things personally exactly but you and so i did i auditioned for 12 drama schools got into one right and that's kind of normal in a way i think yeah, yeah. but you said drama school was i auditioned kind of on... for one yeah it was uh how old was i i was probably uh, 10 years old and still be, so now i've probably been acting three or four years and um i had an agent i'd done quite a few little tv gigs quite a few uh theater gigs i think i played at the london palladium i think it was on the back of the london palladium we did a play Oldham Theatre Workshop took 20 students down there and we put on this this play at the, um, amongst other plays. It was like a bit of a collaboration of 
young theatre. And we were this working class, you know, town theatre group. And we stole the show. We had we had uh, amazing reviews, and I played the lead um, in this little play. And I think it was on the back of that I got contacted from uh, Sylvia Young Theatre School. Oh yeah, a very to well audition. Known. It was yeah. very prestigious. You know, that was where. And my parents, we couldn't afford to go there, you know. Uh, but it was for a scholarship, so I went for the audition, and it was hundreds and hundreds of children that went for this audition, and I got down to the last nine. So it was across all disciplines: singing, uh, dancing, and acting. So triple you threat, to, yeah. Triple threat. Well, do you have I a found, voice I, on you? I found out that I'm not triple threat. Oh no! <laughs> Does the singing let you down slightly? No, it's. Um, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I, I can. I, I finished a musical back in the last year. You know, I, I'm That's not a great not singer. Shabby, I'd like yeah. to think I can. I, I, I can hold a tune. Lesson. I can hold a tune. Yeah, but uh, you know, um, and I very nearly got in. And uh, and then what was quite nice, probably five years later, I'd probably maybe a year or two in Emmerdale, and then Sylvia Young got back in touch directly. And asked to take me on, and uh, it would be, you know, with with absolutely no fees. She wants what she wow. wanted me, and I said, "Well, actually, you auditioned me a few years ago, and you said no." Oh, and I was like, and, you know, and at the time, <laughs> then looking back, I don't know if I could have moved away from home. I was very much a homeboy. Mm. I loved my parents and my family, and it was so close knit. To suddenly, as a as a ten year old, to go and live in London, with a you know, with a, essentially a, an adopted fostered family. It's a, it's a big yeah. move. It's a big. It's a massive move, and and for me, I didn't really want to be an actor that much. It was just something I loved doing, mm. and so I'm so glad in hindsight, looking back, that I never got through. And then, of course, twenty years of Emmerdale followed. <clears throat> yes, I know. How was it being out of here? Did you miss it? No, no, and that's no disrespect, you know, to to the to the show in any way. It was it was it was an amazing job, you know. Uh, but then it kind of got. You know, I think the last five years, I was kind of thinking, I just, with the dawn of Netflix and all these different platforms, the industry had changed massively. And from going back, you know, pre-2008, when the industry was doing absolutely nothing, there was no work out there. So suddenly there's this blossoming of work everywhere. And as an opportunity, I think, well, you know, I'd love to play that character. I've, I've, I've watched a guy in that show. I'd love to be able to do something like yeah, that. And yeah. I've never had the opportunity. So... And I, I left purely to do that, to, to, to test myself. And I want to do drama, I want to do film, I want to do radio, I want to do everything, you know. Yeah, yeah and, I uh, suppose it's hard because it, spending that long in one programme, you are going to get pigeonholed slightly naturally, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like the guys that come out of Neighbours or whatever, you know, mm. any soap. That yeah. it's, it's hard to move away from that character. Is it, yeah. is it a good Ted's test of um, resilience as well? Because you, I imagine the hours are quite long when you're filming as well. And as you say, you're doing it day after day, the same character working on, you know, multiple storylines at a time I suppose was it quite a good setup in that terms at the beginning of your career to sort of make test you for it really yeah I think there's one thing that it instilled in me uh, partly for my, my parents as well especially my dad was work ethic mm. and I think that's probably my strongest you know my, my asset really is that you, and you can apply that to anything mm. but you know yeah when I was 13 14 years old probably going through my GCSEs or getting ready for my GCSEs I was in a comprehensive school in Oldham. I was getting up at six o'clock in the morning. My granddad was taking me over to Leeds. I'd do a morning filming where I was expected to, you're treated like a child, but you're expected to act like an adult, you know, to be professional, know your lines, know where to stand, have a certain set etiquette. You know, no one kind of teaches you that. No one mm. came to me on first day and says, you're going to be filming on this major TV show. Um, you know, people are going to stop you in the street and, and maybe say nasty things. No, no one, no one prepares you for mm. that. There's, there's, no, there's no script. There's no formula. You just kind of take it in a, as you know and, and learn, learn on the job really. Yeah. And uh, and then I'd finish at maybe 
midday and then by one o'clock I'm in the playground kicking a ball around the, you know and being a normal kid and very much wanted to be that normal kid and almost cringing when the, the word Emmerdale comes up because you know I just wanted to become so far away from that I just really? wanted to fit in I wanted yeah. to be absolutely normal because I didn't want the attention brought to me for because with that is the negativity naturally yeah. maybe more so in a working class northern school I don't know but you know the amount of so yeah, there's an element of resilience that I built up and I had to be thick skinned, you know, the amount of insults I got. I won't say bully I hate that you know, bullying because it's a but yeah, there's terms of that where people would always be you know, having ribbing a, you. Yeah, like totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and you just you take that on the chain and yeah. and uh I love school, you know, I absolutely I was probably the, the least attendance in the whole year. I think, you know, attendance was appalling because uh because I was always at Emmerdale. But um but no, I loved it looking back. Great school, great for and I've you know, my Three of my five groomsmen were lads I went to school with. You know what I mean? Wow. My best mates to this day, the lads I met, I've known since I was 11 years old, so. That's nice. Still grounded, that's what we like. <laughs> well. now, now listen, um, before we, we turn off all the motorsport fans out there, um, we've got to get onto your racing. Yeah. Um, so they've already um, turned off, haven't they? They probably have. Not just <laughs> the matter. Come yeah. back, come yeah. back. Triple threat is the third one, it's actually <laughs> racing. So well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so at what point did you think Okay, I'm going to turn my hand to uh, racing cars. So I've been a car fanatic since, you know, the stories of when I used to go to bed with a spanner. My dad was a diesel fitter back then, a, a truck mechanic. And that naturally you aspire to what your dad, well, I did anyway. I wanted to do what my, da my dad did. So I'd be under the dining room table fi pretending to fix cars, fix trucks. Um, and I've been as a spectator, anything with an engine, whether it be British superbikes, British touring cars, F1, any capacity like that. I used to go, used to go watching either on the TV or at the racetracks, Silverstone, Donington, Alton Park. I've visited all those places as a spectator with my dad. And then at the tender old age of 28, I was at the Autosports show and uh, I'd been there a couple of times before at the NEC. And there was um, the BRSCC stand with a, a mini, mighty mini championship just there in its full livery. And uh, my dad had bought me a mini when I was about 13 or 14. We had in the uh, on the drive and I used to just tinker with it. Because back then I was in Emmerdale I was acting, I loved acting, but I still had these aspirations to have my own car garage and be a mechanic or, you yeah. know, this is where I thought it was going. I didn't know, I was constantly being told my, by my careers advisor at school, acting's not sustainable. You can't be an actor, think of something else. So I was like, all right, okay. You know, at the time I was probably, I was earning a good living. I was probably earning more than the careers advisor, but yeah. she constantly reminded me of the fact that this isn't going to last. Yeah. So part of me was like, well, I think it, bloody will because I'm gonna make it last yeah. but if it doesn't then I'll have a backup plan and my backup plan was was car orientated so um yeah so we reminisced we saw this car at the at the at the uh, car show and I said do you remember when we had that mini and uh there was a, a paper piece of paper next to it kind of a bit of a, a, a to-do list a checklist of what you needed you needed an hours license you needed a car and racing overalls and a hell bit and you go racing it was literally broken down it was that simple so I rang up the championship organizer the week after and says, uh, I've never raced, never done anything, never go-karted. I've been on stag dues and, and always done quite well at go-karting. Not as well as your brother-in-law, but you know, I never won by a minute. Hat tip, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd always done quite well. But then again, I was quite slim and quite light. So yeah. maybe that was, I don't know, but, and 28 years old, I'd had some pretty tasty cars along the way and I always felt like I could drive them and I could handle them. And uh, I said, listen, I'm gonna give it a go. What do I need to do? So he, he helped put me in touch with a chap, I'll give him a mention, Howard Hunt who still teaches now. Uh, he did my, my ARDS test, my ARDS license. A chap was selling a car, uh, a little mighty mini. And this is like a 60 brake horse, single point injection, you know, 1275, 
standard tyres, you'd get them buffed down at Demon Tweaks to four mil. So there's still be movement in the block, but yep. you know it's certainly not a slick. It's just a normal tyre, roll cage, standard box. Like I say, 60 brake horse. It's a road car that's just on the track. Yeah. Mm. It's 30 minis on track. I think it was probably best part of three or four grand over the year. You know, six, seven round championship. Away you go. That was it. Signed up, and you know, round one at Alton Park. I'm there with a the big X on the back, and that was it. That was my. It was a baptism of fire. I'd been wow. there a week before doing a track day. I didn't know about TSL or anything like that, uh, but somebody had told me that these minis were doing two minute twenties. I think around the thing in the last guy was doing two minute 30, 35. So probably a 15 second disparity in between the two. And I thought, well, if I'm somewhere in the middle, I'll be happy. But I didn't really have any gauge of where I wanted, I just wanted to race. Yeah. And that was it, that was my first race. And uh, and that was it, I was hooked as they say. So what year was this? This was 2012. 2012. So the, the first recollection uh, that we have of you going into competitive racing, 2014 Porsche Carrera Cup, was that, would, is it fair to say that was your first sort of real hardcore bit of racing? Yeah, I'd say, uh, what did I do in 13? Um, no, I think it was 13, was it? No, sorry, in 13, I think I did, um, I can't remember actually. I think straight from the mini I did in the Carrera GT3, GT3 Challenge, yep. which was like a feeder series to the Carrera Cup. So the cars were three or four years old but they were still slick tires sequential box you know a uh, 420 brake horse or whatever yeah, and I literally machine. I went in that straight from a minute and uh, wow. with a team <laughs> yeah it was just it was crazy uh, and back then I managed to find some budget I couldn't afford at that level you know I could I could pocket spending five six grand in my first year of racing in my minute that was for me that was an expensive hobby and at this point it was still very much a hobby well yeah did you know about <clears throat> the cost that involved in going, going well yeah racing, there was an opportunity or, to go yeah. Porsche racing and it was you know 30 grand or whatever it were for the year and I was like what and even that's still pretty you know in realms in, of racing yeah, yeah, in the grand yeah. scheme of things but I was like 30,000 yeah. and people pay this and I'm like yeah and I was like well I'm not paying it and and two <laughs> you know if I did have the money I, I just don't know if I, 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 I love racing but I don't love it that much 30,000 pounds worth yeah yeah and then um, you know I've just got this uh, knack where I think well I can make this work and I was a guy on TV I had a big profile this mini championship I'd what you know I'd done extremely well at and uh, as a novice I you know I, I put it on pole in qualifying with an X that had never been done before and I just naturally had a bit of a, a knack for it albeit you know with no disrespect I was racing against club racers so mm. they're probably not but I'd say the first five ten drivers in that mini championship out of the 30 guys mm. these are keen racers they're racing yeah. you know they're, they're, yeah. they're pretty handy especially around the mini mini's got a very select group where people just love racing minis and there's a bit of a knack with these mini guys you know not everybody can get in a mini and be be as quick as some yeah. of the guys because they've just got a real knack with them and uh and i made it work and and that was when the whole other side of racing that people don't see is engaging with sponsors and getting somebody yeah. to to help yeah, you and, and i felt business. that there was an opportunity there because there's people sponsoring within motorsport and that my uh, way of thinking was why don't they come and sponsor me because mm. i've got something a little bit different and it's got to i'm not saying that i'm better than anybody else but like anything you've got to utilize what you've got different and what's unique and, and my unique selling point was that so I, I, I leveraged that and with value to the person who sponsored me not, I'm not just taking from them it was a constant it still is to this day there's got to be genuinely something in it for them mm. they've got to come away from this that's how I do everything it's got to be completely fair and if they're not happy if I feel like I'm getting the lion's share then I don't want that relationship because I'm too honest I'd, I'd rather not continue so I genuinely want them to get something massively out of it and think that they're on a great they're getting some, you know, something great, and it'll continue. So, yeah. And how was it stepping into a British touring car for the first time? That was mad. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, that was, I think, about two months before that. I was all set to do the Carrera Cup, and uh, I'd not raced the year before that. So this is 
best part of 18 months I've not been in a race car I'm about to do do a, a, a half a season of Carrera Cup and then Adam Weaver rang me and said Kelvin um, how did I ring him actually I think we're just chatting over text or Twitter or something about it was around the autosport time and then he said listen you know coming down see the see the cars which fancy touring cars are like there's no way I can I can you know go to that level I've got like two years under my belt of racing uh, and I was all right at club level, but not certainly not touring car level. And um, and not only that, I've not got the funds. That's that's mm. telephone numbers. Yeah. And he was like, no, you know, I think we could do something. And at the time, I think Josh Cook had, had left. Like you know, kind of they were hoping that Josh would be there. But either way, there was an opportunity to go there for very, you know, not not very much money at all. And uh, I went and met him, and I shook on it, and I shook on a deal that um, that I didn't have the funds for. And I was confident, that, and it was a lot of money, you know, in in not in racing money, but it was it was a lot in of money. In general, yeah. And I had a good idea that we'll get there. I rang my dad out. I, I got in the car, rang my dad. I said, "Dad, I've just shook hands there with British touring car," and he was he he almost cried. He was that. It was because me and him have watched it from being kids. And I said, "But you know, it's 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 quite a bit of money." He says, "We'll find you know we'll we'll find a way." Now, not that doesn't mean my dad's going to pay for it because we've not got those funds. Do you know what I mean? I'm. I'm like I said, I'm working class, we, we can't think of that. But at the time I had a couple of sponsors who I knew I had appetite and I knew I could, you know, pitch them an angle and I could make it work. So I did. We got the funds together at a very skeleton you know, a very skeleton budget. And I went into a free practice one at Brands Arch in front of I don't know how many thousand people. That was the first time I drove the car. No testing or anything. No beforehand. testing. No budget to test. No testing. And and this is what people don't realise, you know, there's no I don't think there's any other person who's ever done British touring cars. I've been past our arts test three years prior. I don't think there's anyone who's ever done British touring cars, and the first time they get in the car is free practice one at Brands Hatch. No, that's yeah. fast tracking. That is fast tracking, and that's not me thinking that. Yeah, I can handle this. No. This is an opportunity. It might not ever come again. This yeah. is. A, I've grown up Can't with Jason no. Plato, Matt Neal. These people are like heroes yeah. to me. I've, yeah. I'd meet soap stars and singers, whoever, during my acting career, and not really be that phase because. Yeah. But suddenly, I'm I'm get a chance to. Beyond, and I felt embarrassed to thinking I'm really sorry, but you're going to be racing me. You know, I'm, I'm sorry How to be. How did here, they receive you? I mean, you can imagine. I mean, <clears> the you, top boys really well since. But was there any like, oh, what's this guy oh, doing? Oh, of course, yeah, massively. You know, your Playtors, yeah. your Matt Neils, Gordon Shannons, they were absolutely lovely. You know, that's the thing. They are the top of their game, and they were the one guys the set who were who were lovely. Probably thought he's not going to do anything, but they embraced me and, and loved the fact that I was bringing a completely different demographic, you know, because yeah. audience wise, I'm bringing, yeah, yeah. I got a lot of coverage with ITV and stuff like that. So it was a lot of spotlight that was put onto me that everybody gets the benefit of, the mm. whole championship get the benefit of. But then majority of the guys were, you know, what is he doing here? He's, he's, he's making us look and that's it. You know, they just didn't have any respect for me. And because if I come into their championship, it disc if it looks like anybody can do it, then it discredits them. They like to think of themselves that there are these amazing, mm. untouchable Mark Marqueses. And to be frank, not everybody is, yeah. you know. And and motorsport is accessible. Most Anyone can go and do British GT. Anyone can go and do British touring cars. Within reason, you've got to be at a pretty competent pace, but, you know, I, I'm living proof of that. Do you know what I mean? You can do it, so... Um, but they don't want you to think that. <laughs> but you've shown your you've shown your credentials now. So you know, 2017 into British GTs, 2018 British GT Championship, finishing second in the Pro Am and ninth overall. So I guess the perception has changed of you now, where they're like, this guy's yeah, a serious no, I don't competitor. Think so. I think he's a serious he's serious about racing. You know, I think that's still the common. But I'm pretty well. I know. You know, throughout a lot of the motorsport people, whether it's drivers, whether it's uh, the fans. They still don't really take me seriously. I'm still not a good peddler. And I don't think I ever, I ever will be considered that. I could go and win a championship and someone I consider because the minute I, they accept that, then 
oh, he's an actor and he's a racing driver. Yeah. They how can, how so, can he possibly be both? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and for some stupid reason, they, they feel that it discredits them. It doesn't it, at all, but, you know, that's what... Even in British touring cars, I was probably... I don't know, maybe in quality, I could never get the best, I'm struggling with that now, still qualifying, I'd be my, you know, I could always be like one and a half, two seconds off, but in a race, I've been matching most people's pace, you know, and uh, and you look back now, oh, you didn't do well, people say it to me all the time, you didn't do well in touring cars, did you, you know, and I was like, well, I, I think I did, I think I did all right. Yeah. I was probably the only person as well on that, who got paid that year. Yeah. Maybe played to a few others, but I did it in such a way where I knew my budget and I got more and- I made it work for you. I made it work for me, you yeah. know, and- uh, so yeah, that was, and I don't think I'm ever going to kind of rid those 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 nah. demons, that negativity. I still get it probably now, you know. Um, but I know I'm comfortable with with what I'm doing racing wise now. I'm racing with Martin Plowman now, who's yeah, you know, he, he's he's won Le Mans, he's done Indy Lights, done the Indy 500. The guy, the guy can drive. You know, he was. I think he's just been downgraded to a gold. Uh, he, he, asked, he was quite happy with that from from platinum because of the platinum drivers, you just struggle to get any drives. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, within every week, most weekends now, I'm within four tenths of him you know in some practice sessions I'm quicker yeah. than him and and we're keeping each other you know Martin's still a better driver than me without doubt but he's, he's helping develop me in such a way yeah. that I'm, I'm on his heels and that's where I want to be great resource for you to be able to tap into oh massively yeah, yeah. amazing yeah yeah. Am I, am I right in saying you maybe weren't quite sure of who what exactly he'd done before you met him in terms of like his racing uh, credentials yeah I didn't, I didn't really know yeah that's <laughs> um, because yeah, I was I was a little bit ignorant to that. Uh, he'd done because it was obviously overseas. So yeah, of I'm course. Not, uh, I'd not seen any of that, but he's done amazing things. Yeah, and we're getting a, a, outside of this podcast and other things. Um, we're getting a bit of a glimpse into your life as a racing driver, as a dad, uh, and various other bits and pieces that you're getting up to with behind the visor. So yeah. tell us a little bit about that and the thinking behind that. We've obviously got your your camera here yeah, today. We've got Rich filming today. Um, tell us a bit about um, the uh, the concept and why you started this. Um, I started because I wanted to, you know, I had a couple of ideas to pitch to production companies, TV companies about 18 months ago, and it's the hardest sell ever. You know, motorsport, not everybody's into motorsport. I can't understand why, because I think it's the best thing ever, but unfortunately not everybody is. And it seems to be not every TV channel and TV production company are. And it just seems like a really hard sell. So I wanted to kind of think, well, if no one else is going to take a pun, and whether it's not just a documentary about me, but all these different formats I kind of had and, and had an idea of, I just couldn't really get much traction. And then I just thought, well, I'll almost do my own teaser, my own taste and, and do it myself. Yeah. So um, that's how it started. I touched base with a friend of mine who's got a little production company. And I said, listen, this is what racing is to me. This is how a racing weekend looks. But there's a whole element of racing that people don't see. That, that it's, you know, it's in the... the the garage afterwards, it's in the barbecues as a family. Yeah. That to me is, is is completely accessible and completely re relatable to everybody, you know, and that's what I want to try and capture. Yeah. And uh, so this has just been the start. We're only kind of two or three episodes in and it's a, yeah, we want, there'll be at least seven race weekends in there, seven episodes dedicated to the, to the race. But then I want to try and show people away from racing and what I get up to, yeah. you know, stuff like this, anything really, just to kind of give people that insight and that little bit of uh, exclusive content is, is great on social media platforms and it helps yeah. to kind of push me as, as my brand and and, uh, and just to let people see what I'm, people are always asking me what you're up to you know what you're yeah. doing whether it's in the street or on Twitter or whatever 
And I think visually, this is an opportunity to be able to show them, you know, what it, a little, you yeah, know, absolutely. piece of, of what it is. What I mean, we, we've talked about this before that, you know, with motorsport, you're behind a visor most of the time, you're tucked away in a car and people don't see the other side of it. You know, yeah, yeah. championships like British Touring Cars, British GT, whatever, you can get into the paddock, but the higher up you go, you know, go up to Formula One and these people are just so inaccessible. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. it's so nice to be able to see what goes on behind the scenes. If you're not in the industry, you just don't see what a paddock is. Yeah, yeah. If someone from Formula One looked, looked at behind the visor what you were doing, that's all they need to do to make it a, me a million times more accessible for yep. anyone and everyone because yeah. it is as we say it's not just about the racing a lot of people go there for the drama and the action but what makes I think motorsport that community and that family feel is what you see or what you don't see frankly yeah, yeah. you know in terms of how how they prepare how they prepare for it what happens straight after the race you know that's it we, we've kind of got a plan for this is going to be over the next you know six to twelve months I want to engage, you know, when I'm meeting my sponsors or pitching to new sponsors, you know, capture that and see see what goes on there because yeah. that's almost like a bit of a taboo subject. No one yeah. talks about yeah. that. But that facilitates all the racing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, a lot of it maybe comes from family business or things like that. But ultimately, certainly for me, I'm, I'm sponsored. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't sponsored. So I want to showcase and show how... How I, how I go about that, you know, I've, I don't have a manager, I don't have, I do everything myself, every sponsorship I've ever attained has come from me, from knocking on doors, from emailing people, which is always a bit strange when they'll receive an, e an email from the guy who used to play on this subject and they're thinking, <laughs> is this, surely he's got people who do this for him. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I do it. And, and, and I get in the door, that gets me in the meeting, I walk in and, and you can kind of see whether it's board directors or the marketing team and they're like, well, this is really strange, but you know, and I well, hi guys, you know, this is my reason, this is my pitch, this is what I do, this is a bit about me, and this is where I think I could be value to you. And I'll try and utilize all my other strengths or my other, you know, unique selling points. And nine times out of ten, it'll be a no. Yeah. And I walk away, and and, and I'm, I'm I'm not defeated, but I used to, I'm, I'm so used to getting no's. Well, exactly, you're trained for it, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm already, you know, I don't take it personally. I just don't think Move they've seen the opportunity, one. and I'll maybe tweak my proposal for the next one. And and the the guys that do say yeah, you know, um, then yeah, you, you can't, you know, you, there's value for both people. How do you balance your two worlds? Are you, do you have to sort of take time out of one to focus on the other, or is there a way of keeping both on at the same time? I'm still trying that whole sp uh, spinning plates thing. Um, I'm just, yesterday, I, I was looking after my two kids and um, the team manager rang and I was like, uh, everything was a compromise and I'm just not very good at, you know, it was like, yeah. I, I, I can't do it, you know. And uh, so that's what I need to get better at. At the minute, it's just, I have a day of, right, you know, all but everything but motorsport based, whether that's engaging with potential sponsors or speaking with a team or speaking with plow, whatever it might be, organizing this documentary, whatever it, you know, kind of do that for a day and then move on to something else. Mm. I'm, I'm not great at kind of spinning spinning plates. Um, and then naturally there's got to be balance with family because that's sometimes the, quite an easy thing to, yeah. to put, you know, you not take them for granted, but you know, you realize that it's been three or four days, five days, and you've not spent a day with, you, with your wife and, and your children. And you think, yeah, that's, that's the most important thing. So I need to address that. Mm. Two young kids, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Boys, girls? Uh, a fi a five month old boy and a two and a half year old daughter, yeah. They're hard work, aren't they? They're yeah, you've got kids. I've got two, I've got a four year old, just four, and a one year old. Right. Neither sleep. Oh, really? So I don't sleep. 
You look um, well, though. You don't look like oh, you're tired. You. Yeah, you look well. It's all the makeup we've got before you Oh, is it? Yeah. It's all the moisturiser. <laughs> what moisturiser? Um, <laughs> There's your chance. They need a, they need a moisturiser. Yeah. I've never moisturised in my entire really? life. Yeah. Really? Splash of water. That's all you need. Splash of water. That's what keeps this face so pretty. Wow. wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, two, two young kids, and they, they don't sleep at all. But I'm dying to get the four-year-old in a go-kart. Because th- those little bambinos, you know, the little yeah, bambino yeah. cars, they're mm. so cool. Um, and uh, I'm desperate to get them in a go-kart. But uh, the wife's not too uh, not, not too, too keen. keen, you know. The costs escalating oh, yeah. rather quickly, especially quick. with the go kart. Even go kart, I mean, hundred thousand pound a year, no. you could easily swallow and go easily. Wow, yeah. easily. Yeah, no, I it's know crazy. people that have done double that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's wow. just it's obscene. So you're obviously a, a petrol head. Um, I've been reliably informed you're into your uh, modern classics, the eighties, yep. nineties, and so on. You're obviously a fan of motorsport. But how far does that um, love of motorsport go? Do you, do you watch all forms of motorsport? Do you watch two wheel motorsport? Do you like the Formula One? Two wheel is the biggest thing I watch. Yeah, MotoGP, World Superbike, British Superbike um, is what that's what really turns me on. If you like, I think that is. Didn't I mean, know. in you know, I'm in absolute awe of those guys. Yeah. I do quite a few track days down at Donington on the on the Ranasm School, and it's always been on my bucket list to 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 do a race. I was going to do something with Kawasaki last year, but it didn't come off as a wild card. I've not got my race license yet for a bike, but that's what I would definitely want to do. And um, but I'd be probably 10, 15 seconds off Leon around you know on on a stock bike around Donington. Whereas yeah. in a car, I could get within a second of most people. Yeah. Whereas on a bike, it's just so exposed, and that's why yeah. I've got such respect for those guys. They're completely mental. They're, yeah. they're, they're, but this, it, it's amazing yeah. what, what they can do, you know. And especially your Leon Asms, your Johnny Rays, your Mark Marquez's, uh, Cal, you know, those. They just, I'm just in absolute level. awe yeah. of what they can do on a machine. So that's what I spend my days watching. Um, car racing, British touring cars is great to watch. You know, yeah. the, the 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 circus element of it's just crashing and, and contact. But there's some really really good racing. Um, and as a spectacle, as a brand, I think it's, I, th- I think it's, un- you know, there's nothing comes close to it. I think that's why it's so good. British ET is good, um, but after I've done a race, I won't watch it back. I'll just probably try and watch the last 10, 15 minutes, you know. Um, a bit boring, isn't it? <laughs> <French racing>. Ooh, <laughs> controversial. It gets good in the last 15 minutes, doesn't yeah. it? Well, it's a bit like F1, isn't it? You know, but people tend to... Watch the first I'm not an F1 fan, you know. Not, never, no, single-seaters? Any single-seaters? No, no. I've never driven a single-seater, no. I'm, I'm still, I've not driven many race cars. I've probably driven five cars in, in my whole life. Is it, is it an aspiration or are you not too fast? I'd love to have a go in a single-seater, yeah. Um, what do you make of stuff like you know the new motorsport era? We've got electric coming in now, like things like Formula E. I don't know how familiar you are with that, but you also got the the, you know, in the new electric motorbike championship that's sort of on the way and being talked about. Is that something you kind of have a, a little inkling with? Or? Uh, I've watched Formula E a couple of times and it looks quite the fan boost. I didn't get that mm. that kind of dip. Yeah, that, but that that um, but it sounds cool, you know. And uh, and why not? You know, if there's a, that's that's the future it's going to be, then then embrace it. You know, the thought of there being no V8s, literally like a little piece inside of me dies because yeah. I think how yeah. can we that that sound is 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 what's you know I went to Monaco at the weekend yeah. and yeah they were quite loud it's that so it almost feels like a suction thing yeah. of, the, of the the cars went past and it just doesn't sound nowhere near as yeah. good as I've been on historic days and heard a oh they know, sound incredible uh, yeah and I'm just like that is that is it because the racing in Formula One especially yeah. is it's boring it's a process you know it's just not really yeah. so I, I, at I, least yeah. give it some razzmatazz with yeah. sound and well, the, with the feeling. sound was all part of it I mean I, I've, I've been in Formula 1 for about 15 years and I remember back in the day you know when I used to work with um, ING Bank who at the time was sponsoring uh, the Renault F1 team yeah. 
And at that time, they were still these monster engines, and the cars sounded amazing. And you sit in the in the stands, and you couldn't have a conversation. You couldn't talk like this next to a racetrack. Now in Monaco, where you've obviously been there now, you know you could sit you could sit on a boat in the T jetty and have a perfectly normal conversation mm, with a yeah. car twenty meters away. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's just yeah. not the same, and you don't get that back of the hairs on the back of the net standing up because the noise just isn't there anymore. Yeah. The first race I ever went to and saw in the flesh was the 2013 British Grand Prix. And I simply went as just a fan, me and my dad. And it was pouring with rain, it was miserable, but the roar of the engines when they came past in the cars, you had to have earplugs. Yeah. Now, when I've been since, it, it's it's bewildering to me that you don't need that. And you, you can you can perfectly have a conversation, you don't need to put the yeah. earplugs in because that is all surely part of the experience of the yeah, motorsport. Yeah. And it's suddenly it's not there, but, um, yeah. but it's still, I think, quite exciting to watch and I wouldn't want to mm. be too negative about, um, no. you know they, they, they obviously feel there's some there's a niche there's a, there's a need for it out there there's, a, there's an appetite for it there so I'd like to think if that continues to succeed then motorsport naturally as a whole will will will, yeah. will feel the benefits so yeah. And I think Formula One as a spectacle is still amazing. Oh, it's I still, mean, yeah. that's what it's there for Exactly. Now. I mean, yeah. the Monaco Grand Prix is a special place to be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, while it's quite often a procession, it's still an incredible thing to witness um, and see the cars that close up mm. and the way they corner it is spectacular. Yeah. Um, and it's still the top of the tree, isn't it, when it comes to motor racing? Well, you, you say you were there. How was it? What, what were you up to in Monaco? It was, I've been once before, um, but obviously never on an F1 weekend. So it was my first time. Um, I went with my teammate, um, Plowy, our sponsors took us uh, oh, Imagine nice. Cruising, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, I met with those guys about a year ago and uh, a golfing event. My missus tells me there's no, you know, I always say golfing's like work. And she says, it's not work. Yeah. How can it be? <laughs> well, you know, it, it is. Yeah. And, uh, and and that was another one of my crazy ideas where I, I pitched an idea to, to, to those guys and, and they liked it. And, you know, we're now, we're now affiliated with one another and, and they're great. And one of the perks of having them, them guys on board was that they took us to to Monaco F1 you know to experience they do quite a bit with F1 experiences and, and they do like yeah. an F1 experience with some of their guests um, and it was great just to go along as, as, as a spectator really it was just amazing I probably indulged in the social side a little bit too much you know ah, you got it haven't you I got plowy drunk he's not hey, a big drink yeah he's not he's a big drink on a so. chap isn't he yeah, yeah he's, he he's can't just, say too much he's just too nice and yeah. I just said come on come with me on a yacht we got on a yacht yeah we got on a yacht which was nice Monaco without a yacht yeah Yeah. Uh, I've never been on one of these big super I can't call it a boat I think the (laughs) guy who owned it Uh, just a northern coming in yeah it it? was just a lovely boat this bolt and I was like (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't think of the word I was like yacht yeah sorry so that was my first time I got excited I think I did a little Instagram video when I was on there but I was just like a kid in a in a sweet shop. It was, you know, it was amazing. And seeing the F1 cars, you know, whether this loud or not, it, it's an F1 car. It's yeah. driving, you know, it's just like this is amazing. This is just met some great people. Uh, it was sunshining. I had quite a lot to drink, and yeah, amazing weekend. Brilliant. And and in terms of your ambitions, what do you want to do with your racing? Where do you want to take it? Where do you want to get to? Um, I want to win a championship. Whether that's a collective effort with myself and Martin, or you know me further on the line doing a single you know uh, sprint championship sprint series uh, and I think it's in us you know this year especially with current leading Pro-Am we're going up against I think 18 silver silver drivers uh, and so it's, it's very very competitive but we're both confident that as a pairing me as an amateur we can still mix it with a with a, with a pro pro you know we can still mix it and get the overall win so that's what is eluding us at the minute the overall I think we've had an overall podium so far but we've not had an overall win um, so yeah, first and foremost, I want to win the Pro-Am this year, and um, we've set targets of being, you know, 
up there with the, with the overall, you know, maybe top five. So it's a, it's a massive challenge. But in the future, um, I don't know. I don't really set any any real targets because um, it can go so many different ways. I want to do rallycross. Uh, I definitely want to go in one of those cars. Yeah. I want to do a bike race. Uh, I'd love to go back to British touring cars, you know, one day in the future. Um, now I'm a little bit more experienced, I think, and I know what it's about. You know, the racing is probably the worst thing about that. I had 11 DNFs. One was genuinely my fault when I yeah. made a lunge on Cole at, um, at the airpin at Croft. The rest, I just, because I was qualifying 20th, 25th, you know, it was just, there's just too much contact. Yeah. That is, yeah. There's just too much contact. The skill of, I remember watching, I think it was Matt Neal Godin shared, Josh Cook was leading at Alton Park and he led for all the race. I think it might have been Gordon Shedden who was behind him in the end got frustrated and just tapped, you know, just moved him out of the way. Yeah, yeah. I think it was at turn one. But the skill it took for Cook to defend like that in a slower car, it was just like amazing. For yeah. them to be all forgotten about and it's the attacker that gets applauded, it's, it's just not fair, yeah. you know. The, I've defended before and it's harder than, than to, it, it's so hard and when the guys do it and I just think that's not being, he's not got the credit for that, he's not yeah. got the, you know, and that's that's the real shame and I think that's huge within, within touring cars. Um, so if I was to go back I'd be obviously mindful of that, but uh, Le Mans 24 hours has been thrown about, you know, uh, now I'm kind of in that endurance racing yeah. element and uh, that, you know, obviously would be, would be amazing. Would um, But we were kind of Bathurst, we were thinking, you know, yeah. there's, there's, yeah. there's, there's so much to kind of, I'm reluctant to set my sights on just one, yeah, I am just want to explore and I'm still, what I mean, five, six years into racing, I'm still that guy that I was, honestly remember looking through that wire fence thinking, I, God, those, those guys are so lucky. Yeah. And I get to it now, you know, and it's crazy. And on a weekend, I'll take some of my friends and I saw a little kid the other week and he, I let him sit in, my, in the in the race car and they asked him, Martin, you know, I'm like, this is just yeah. insane. And, yeah. it, you know, it's, I'm feeling, I know I'm so, so lucky. Yeah. I work hard and, and, and I try and leverage absolutely everything I've got and I can do, but I'm still so, so lucky. Oh, There's so amazing. many bike drivers out there that are probably quicker than me that are not, you know, but at the same time, I'm, I'm holding my own and, and on my day, uh, with six years experience you know I think I'm I'm very proud of, of, yeah. of, of you know of, of what I'm doing and, and my achievements so far and you've obviously learned a lot in those six years so if, if you could go back to Kelvin six years ago and say listen you're about to go into your first race here's what you should do I guess you were sort of wet behind the ears then thinking I'm just going to go for it see what happens what would you tell your past self if you could go back in time um, that's a good question that what would I tell myself I don't know I think I've always done things quite I don't think I change anything. I've always drove with an element of, of, of somewhat reservation. I've never been absolutely all out, you know, because I've always had the money thing at the back of my head. If I bend this, yeah, you know, who's yeah, gonna pay for it? Monday yeah. morning's gonna be a horrible Monday morning. Some people, you know, have not got that issue. So they can race slightly differently. I wish I could be more like that. Um, so I've always been a little bit cautious of, of my whole approach and uh, and just savouring. I didn't race at all, like I mentioned, in 2015. Yeah. One, because I couldn't get any budget. Two, because I was just too busy with doing other stuff. So I, I know what it's like to not race. So yeah. I genuinely love the fact that I'm able to race. That's interesting. So do, do you think if you had, if there was a bottomless pit of cash, do you think it would change your driving style to a degree? Because you'd be thinking, if I bin this, it actually doesn't matter too much. Do you think you may be holding back a little bit one because of the percent. money side? Yeah, one million percent, without yeah. doubt. Yeah. yeah, not not that I'd be reckless, but I, you know, I'd be absolutely at Snetterton. You know, turn one was there a few weeks ago. If you you go in there, if you push sometimes, you, before you know it, you've got that barrier on the inside. You know, yeah. I've seen some massive accidents there, and you shouldn't be going into a race weekend thinking of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. but you know. You, you do. I don't know if any other guys would admit that, but certainly I do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you want to be quite cautious. You want to, you know, be, 
you know the, the the championship is not won at round two yeah you know so there's all these things that play into it but certainly damage and and budget does does play into it massively at, at Alton Park the first round of the year um, one of the young McLaren lads um, he was a lap down it was a final lap I'm sitting third overall uh, I'm, I'm confident I can make a pass in the last corner just to get second overall three of us going to the chicane and uh, this lad who's a lap down you know, makes a mistake, it's sausage and goes straight on and, and does me up, you know, up from from behind. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it wasn't my fault and, and he apologised and it was a mistake, that's fair enough. It's usually frustrating, the fact that it was a lap down, but, you know, that's 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 racing. Yeah. That was 12, 12 and a half, 13 grand, 13,000 pounds, you know, we, we, yeah. we seem to forget within racing these, and then we actually sit down and think 13,000 pounds. Yeah. That's, that's world, a test yeah. day, test and a half for us, just gone mm. if we budgeted for that. So, you know, that's. Um, and it wasn't even my. If I was pushing and made that mistake, you can somewhat take it on the chin. But when you, you're literally a sitting duck, you've done nothing wrong. So it's things like that that, that are at the back of my mind because. Yeah. Um, so, wrong or right, you know, I wish they wasn't there. If I had that endless pit of money, I'd certainly be a lot more committed, I think, in my, in my, in my approach and maybe be a, a couple of tenths quicker. And who's your best pal in racing? Presumably it's Plowey. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's my teammate. I'm, I'm blessed with him. He's, he's one of the quickest on the grid, but he's a genuine, like, a lovely, lovely. He's almost too nice. You know, I'm, I'm still searching for that element mm -hmm. of, you know, there's, there's, come on, I want to find that. And he's, he's just too nice. If you cut him in, in half, you just see a little butterflies and, and <laughs> love hearts. And he's, he's oh, just, a, and his, his family's the same. His family remains. So I almost feel like I've, I've hit the jackpot. Apart from doing a Bathurst or Le Mans 24 hours, there's genuinely no, nobody I would want to do it more with than, than Martin and his family. They kind of come as the package, and for a race weekend for me, spending time with them is just as good as, as the race. And however corny that sounds, but that is because in racing it's littered with, you know, everyone's on their own mission, their own journey. So there's a lot of selfish, you know. There's, but this is the first time I've kind of met someone who I genuinely feel like with. There's, there's no agenda. There's there's just a genuine love for to do well, and he wants me to do well as well. There's yeah. no jealousy. There's there's absolutely nothing. Even, if, you know, you've got this actor who's, I think FP one or FP two at Snet. Or was it Alton? I think I beat him by a tenth, and it was just Kelvin that he said that's amazing. It was so absolutely loving it. Yeah. Somebody else would have been a little bit annoyed at that, yeah, you know. Yeah. I want to go again, and he loves that. And yeah. then I'll go and put two or three tenths on me again in the next set, uh, and then I have to go again. But yeah. that's just what you want, you know. Yeah. Pushing and, uh, each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Is it is it nice having them there, especially if, if it is a tough weekend? Sort of psych psych yourself up. How do you how do you do that? Is it good having people around you like that, or is that within yourself? Yeah, I don't know. I used to <clears throat> when I used to play sport. You know, when when if it was a rugby game, you can psych yourself up. You know that you can have have a have a. Um, with that input you can you can have an output mm. you know the, if I'm really really tired or really I can just push in and really with motorsport I don't know you can't do it you can't get that same sort of psych in a car so I just try and say the opposite I'm the absolute as relaxed as possible right uh, I don't really have a plan I just want to be you know relaxed and, 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 and be as quick as I can but naturally have some strategy in a sense of, of mm. where I want to push and where I don't want to push and um, so yeah for me my race weekends are very simple. Um, Martin will set the benchmark. He will show what the car can do. Collectively, we'll, we'll set the car up. We drive very, very uh, similar, so we have always the same feedback. So the car's set up in a certain way. Martin will set the time, and I'll get as close. That's all my focus is that weekend to get as close as that time. I don't worry about anybody else or anything, because everything else will look after itself. Is if I'm as quick as Martin, will will do well. You know what I mean? So that's all. That's how simple I keep it. And do you have a racing idol? Um, Valentino Rossi. Two wheels say, again. You yeah, need to get on two wheels. wheels. Yeah, this yeah, needs to happen. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, Valentin Ross, I think he's 
Yeah, he's, he's, he's the man, isn't he? Uh, Colin McRae, so I love Raleigh, that's why I yeah. want to do, you know. Uh, Colin McRae, I was, I was a huge fan of. Tommy McKinnon, I went out and bought a Tommy McKinnon Lancer Evolution 6 when I was about 18, 19 on the back of, not in red, the, 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 you know, the famous one, but yeah, uh, at the back of his exploits. But um, I was a big fan of Jason Plato, I guess. Plato was a big I think for our age group, people like Plato back yeah. in, you know when they were showing the, the British touring cars you know week in week out on telly he yeah. was he was the man you know when I was growing up certainly Andy Rouse and Steve Soper with it because my favourite car to this day is a Ford Escort uh, you know Escort RS 500 so yeah. um, Ford Sierra Escort 500 yeah. so that was my uh, seeing those guys back around yeah. brands action and places like that were. What, what was your first car? As on the road? Yeah, ever. What was the uh, first thing you got in? A Volkswagen Polo GTI. Ooh. Quite punchy for a first yeah. car. Punchy, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, 1.6, I think like 140 brake or something like that. Yeah. Had uh. some BK racing alloys. That was a bit of a... How long did it last? <laughs> oh, good, yeah. yeah. I went through all my family. I had it for two years and then my brother had it for a couple of years and his best mate had it for a couple of, I think it's still going did you have the six benigns in the subwoofer in the back I didn't have the six benigns subwoofer no uh, I did in my next car after that yeah I got another car after that and then I, I put some six benigns in the subwoofer in the back of that yeah but right. then I, I used to tear ass around that so the subwoofer would always come off its brackets and be yeah. messing up you know left or right in the boot so what have you got at the moment what's the what's I don't have a car at the minute do you not um, I use my dad's quite a bit uh, yes I'm the family moving away I think at the end of this year me and my family so we kind of sold our my last car was an M3 right oh lovely uh, yeah the, in Yas Marina Blue so nice. oh lovely I've been using different pool cars that my dad's kindly been letting me use of, of late so Okay. bit boring now listen we, we won't keep you too much longer um, we know you're a busy chap I've loved this guys it's great I'm glad oh, you're enjoying yeah, it a yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, couple of random ones for you um, just moving away from motorsport a little bit um, you've obviously recently um, taken part in uh, a very interesting TV show where we saw much more of you than you um, like than, yeah that is I'm <laughs> never going to unsee those images um, sorry. sorry about that but uh, the Full Monty obviously amazing experience yeah. um, how did you get into that and, and what a thing to do yeah, amazing. Uh, I was I'd mixed. Uh, I had reservations naturally when I was first asked. It was November, I think, December. I was in um, I was in London doing a musical, and um, my agent rang and says the show I've been in touch, and I was like, the show the way you get naked. He was like, yeah, and I'd never seen it before, but I was aware of it, and I was like, absolutely no way. And uh, I said no. He came back and said that IT really want you to do it. Whether he was just saying that, I don't know, but uh, I said no again. So I was I was adamant, not because you know, I thought it was a great show. I'll, I'd never seen it, but I didn't want to get my kit off. It didn't really feel very credible for, for me. And I'd, I was, I'd misinterpreted the, the sentiments of the show, you know. So he said, watch the show. So I sat down and watched it. And I was blown away. I was like, wow, this is, this is not about getting your kit. Yeah, you get your kids off, but it's certainly not about that at all. The message is so much deeper yeah. than that. It's to yeah. raise awareness and to kind of say, we as, as celebrities on, on, you know, I've, I've put my hands up there and used... Um, inverted commas, yeah, 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 just yeah. in case you think that was. Yeah. <laughs> um, the guys listening couldn't see that, but yeah, it, it's, it's more about us. If we are willing to bear on in front of millions of people, then for you to go and see your doctor and get checked, yeah. it's not that big of a deal, and that's mm. all it is, really. You know, so, and uh, and I almost felt like I had a duty, you know, and us not a duty, but an opportunity as someone in the public eye with a big following. Yeah, you know, as, as representing a, a younger audience. Yeah, go and do it, Kelvin. Yeah. You know, and. Uh, and looking back, it's probably the best job I've ever done. Yeah, it was honestly, it was life changing at moments. The guys I met were were unbelievable, what a lovely bunch of guys from all different backgrounds, different shapes and sizes, um, and with no real inhibitions. You know, I was the one probably most thinking about getting my kit off, and they were like, Kelvin, you know, you you, you work out, you look alright. Willie was saying that Willie Thorne, and he's 
60 year olds and a bit a bit overweight and it wasn't about how we looked it was just about you know bearing all and yeah. then kind of saying you know here you are and yeah and it was amazing a great experience and we raised so much uh, awareness and and the, the amount of guys that stopped me in the street said I watched that show you did what a lovely show yeah. and you know what I've gone and got myself checked I met a young lad on the train last week coming from Cardiff and uh, he said that that next day he went and got checked and uh, and unfortunately I think he found something and, and it's being wow. tested at the minute so he, he was he sounded quite positive and you know um, but he said how did that not I'd not have seen that I wouldn't have checked and I wouldn't have gone to the doctor I certainly wouldn't have gone to the doctors I might have felt something but just tried to ignore it yeah so you really feel like you've made a difference mm. and there's not many jobs where the impact that can you know that. jobs that can have that impact so i was, I was you know no, very really proud good of well fair play to you i mean amazing cause and um and by all accounts it's been tremendously well received yeah um publicly so you know well done for that it's funny harry and i are starting to feel a little bit um i don't know what the word is inferior we're like with callum in our last um yeah. podcast with the world's sharpest <laughs> jawline and that now we need to join a gym kelvin yeah. here with that. the world's biggest six-pack of yeah. pectorals I'd i mean look right. at the size of his arm you've got size 14 feet Six, i think uh, 16 16 down the well, record, uh, yeah. i think you'll be all right <laughs> <laughs> but actually speaking maybe you should have done the four months yeah exactly well, i'll wait for the call yeah. um, i'm not sure the hat would be big enough to cover that <laughs> wow did not expect the podcast to go like that but you just go back to the four months you did do some like big names jack from love island was on it, Joe yeah. Pasquale, Matt Evers as well, yeah. from Dancing on Ice. Is that something that's on your horizon? You've, you've obviously done musicals. Dancing is, there is, a is in yeah, you. Yeah, but also the fact I saw that you're quite good, you're quite up for sort of dancing with him as your partner or, yeah, or yeah. someone of the same he's, sex. Uh, he's just a lovely guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah things like that. Yeah, you, you, I've, you, I've been yeah. amongst, you know, as, as an eight-year-old actor, thespian, that's all I've ever known. Yeah. You know, yeah. Most people in, in the creative industry you know, uh, a, a gay or it's certainly a lot more fluid with the gender or with the sense of the sexuality. It's just, you know, when you're- Playing cross genders as well. Yeah, yeah exactly, you know, yeah. when you're working with someone, you just, you, you kind of fall in love with them or you, you know, and, that, and the, the, the sex thing doesn't really, I don't know, it's, I've never really had an issue with that. So yeah. to dance with a guy and we'd be the first people doing it, that, that, would, yeah. be, that, that would be amazing. I think it was Matt that put the idea to me. I was like, I don't know what he was expecting maybe for me just to fob it off and I was like that'd be really good he was like really? I was like yeah come on let's practice now so we'll yeah. just <laughs> so um, is, that, uh, is that confirmation that you're on it? Or? oh no no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> oh no I thought we had the experience. no no that, I don't know where that rumour's come from he's, he's oh, genuinely really? yeah, yeah, just come out of nowhere there was, I think there was a segment of me skating. We all went ice skating on the full Monty. Ah, right. Okay. And naturally, someone like, oh, he'd be good on that. But, but no, you're that's, quite that's... handy at skating because I understand that you used to play a bit of inline hockey. Yeah, As yeah. did I. Oh, right, okay. I played for a team called the Beverly Bulldogs years ago. Right. We were quite good. We were quite handy. Um, but you've obviously done that as well. Yeah, yeah. So you've got that sort of balance and that perhaps a little well, bit of skating ability. Yeah, I guess there. so, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but what if you fall? That's the that's the worry, isn't what it? Beats what beats and accidents and yeah. nice, Well, it's funny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's funny for you, but it's not yeah. for yeah. me. It's yeah. false. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my worry, you know. But um, of course, and then because you've got to think about the racing as well. Exactly. Yeah, if you're, if you're yeah. Injured, yeah that, that has a whole knock-on effect, doesn't true. it? That's but, it. Um, Actor, well, racing driver, ice skater. Well, life. I can never <clears throat> ice skate. They don't make them big enough, sadly. But, oh, that's uh, true. Yeah, there was a time where I literally was able to ice skate and then no longer able to. You'd have to strap swords to your feet. Yeah. Um, listen, the final three. We, we've got three questions which we're going to throw at you, um, which we asked Callan in the last podcast, and we'll be asking um, all of our guests. Um, the first, what's got you excited at the moment? Uh, I sat filming on a feature film on Monday. Uh, so that's got, it's going to be my first ever film. So that's got me very excited. Um, set in 1945, uh, just before the, the end of World War II. 
and I'm playing a, a British spy who's who's dropped over in uh, occupied France to to retrieve oh, wow. our prize asset, which is one of our top spies. So brilliant. So yeah, that was uh, that kind of came came out of the blue, and and it's a British independent film, you know. Uh, but I'm sure it'll be out throughout a few cinemas and theaters and whatnot. Um, I think 2020 something like that. So oh, yeah, nice. we start filming in Suffolk on Monday. So oh, I'm doing that brilliant. for a couple of weeks. So the, the, my next round is at Silverstone, and that was a it could have been a deal breaker when they got in touch and they said these are the filming dates. I was like. First thing I do is check the calendar, British yeah. GT, mm. and it, it fell over the British, um, you know, the, the Silverson, yeah, uh, you know, the um, Silverson 500, and I went back and said, I, I'm, I'm racing that Saturday, Sunday, I can't. Is it going to be an issue? And they said, Well, yeah, you know, oh, God. I was like, Oh no, uh, because if it, if I had to choose, you know, acting is is my main thing. That's that, you know, that is what I, what I am and what I want to do. You know, racing is just a bonus, and I've being able to kind of make it not another career as such but you know it's, it's like that but re- acting is still absolutely the number one anyway we managed managed to make it work so um after it i'm just off to have my beard shaved completely off and left with a little mustache I'm, very nice little, oh yeah, wow so. how do you feel about that you happy with that or is it uh, beard, well what's is annoying is that the director sent me a picture of uh brad pitt from inglorious so, and i'm like yeah, i don't i'm not brad pitt i don't look I don't look as good as that. <laughs> so he, I don't know if he's got these amazing, you know, think he thinks I'm going to look like him, but yeah, I don't really going, want to is break it, it to him. Is it the handlebars or just a little one? Yeah, it's just like, it is a little bit, it's a very, uh, someone described it to me quite well. It's like a camp moustache. It's like a oh, very nice. petite and quite thin. Quite thin, yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm. that's what I'm going for, I think. Oh, I'm going to be sporting mm. a new bit of facial hair. So that's what I'm excited about in the minute. So filming starts, uh, starts on Monday, yeah, uh, awesome. in Suffolk. So Nice. Brilliant. Um, if not racing, and I guess acting, yeah. Um, what would you be doing? If I could do anything in the world, I'd be a MotoGP rider. But um, what would I be doing? I'd have to say a pop, a singer, you know. Yeah. Justin Timberlake, uh, Ed Sheeran, something like that. What a life, you know. Yeah. 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 That would be. That would be the. Uh, Is that your um, kind of um, go-to listening stuff? People like Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Um, anything really. Uh, we should really listen to uh, Hits Radio. It's, Hits Radio, uh, yes. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> I think I do, actually. Hey, there we go, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, perfect. All the biggest hits. Did uh, your radio voice just come out? A little bit, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, finally, last question. Um, how much of your success is about luck and right place, right time, and how much do you put down to pure hard work? Great question. Um, I'd say 70, 80% hard work. And the rest is luck. Yeah, you know, yeah. The rest, there's an element of luck there, without shadow of a doubt. And it's not just a tiny. A friend of mine tells me that you make your own luck, you know, but I don't know, you know. Um, <clears throat> there's a thing with luck, being in the right place at the right time. But I've seen the opportunity. I've embraced the opportunity to go out there, like this podcast, for, for instance. So you guys have got in touch. I'm not getting paid for this, you know. It's it's it's, it's not an inconvenience, but I come out of my time. Yeah. Because I see value in it, and, and and not in a sense of that I can exploit you anyway, but there's value for you, there's value for me. There's, I can see the bigger picture. Yeah. So even though it's a it, it's a, it's a cost for me initially, if you look at it like that, yeah. I'm willing to to absorb that and see something bigger. Whereas most a lot of people maybe wouldn't think, well, yeah, am absolutely. I getting paid for it? No, yeah. no, I'm not doing it. What's mm. you know, no. And it's so I think that's a missed opportunity. Now something might come of this. There's every chance nothing will come of it. Um, well, you've got a lovely hat. <laughs> well, yeah. If anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the amount of times when I've done that, when I've gone to an event where it's the other end of the country, uh, it's a charity do, whatever it might be, and I think, yeah. oh, you know, so I'll, I'll just think, I don't know, I've got a good feeling I'm going to go there. Not always looking for something good to come out of it, because yeah. it might just be a, a good thing too and a nice experience, but most of my great things, whether it's jobs or sponsors or opportunities like that, I've always come out of those little things where I've put myself out there, you know. So my mate always tells me, you know, you can't win the raffle if you don't buy a ticket. Yeah. And, 
and it's that whole thing. So, yeah. but with that, there's also that element of luck as well, and you know, uh, and, and yeah. But no, I, I work hard. I'm very committed, and uh, I think the biggest thing is to be resilient. You know, and that's that's one thing I've got more more than anything else is is you know don't be don't be you know too upset when you get a no because you're going to get a lot of no's and I've yeah. had so many no's so far I'll probably get some more today tomorrow the next day and uh, you just carry on yeah, yeah great answer thank you Cheers, well guys. Um, Kelvin um, it's been a pleasure it's been thank you so much for brilliant. talking to us thank yeah. you actor racing driver wow. future ice skater who knows what's coming Females, next the Females. film that's but the beauty of it isn't it you never quite know what's happening yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's been great thank you very much for coming down thank and you guys. Uh, take it easy we'll see you soon see you next thank time you. thank you so much for listening to episode 2 of the Motormouth podcast and special thanks to Kelvin and his team for giving up his time we'll be back with another episode soon but in the meantime if you missed our first episode with racing driver and Fernando Alonso protege Callan O'Keefe you can listen back to that now like subscribe and review if you feel so inclined and we'll see you next time